0: blog talk
1: radio
0: you're listening to starseed
1: radio academy empowering starseed to better serve the planet welcome to starseed radio academy it's tuesday january eighth, 2019 and i'm your host ariel taylor with my co-hosts lavendar and anastasia Our next two starseed quests to Arkansas are March 15th through the 18th for the spring equinox Athena's birthday gathering, and then in May the 17th through the 20th for Pleiadian lineup. This is a soul group reunion, and all starseeds with at least one star marking at galactic degree are welcome. Please write to crystals at starseedhotline.com for more info. Our special guest this evening is Australian author Patti French. Patty's spiritual journey began very early. Her unusual life story and encounters with a variety of entities from reptilians to higher dimensional beings, mind control, cults and more, are described in her new book, Beyond Belief, Transcending the New Age. With support from her diverse star family and activation from the Atlantean crystals on the starseed quest in 2012, she began assisting other starseeds. When the Pleiadians suggested a book about her life which they would infuse with unique activations for starseeds, it seemed way out of reach. But from 2013 to 2018, many intense multidimensional experiences enabled healing and reintegration of her soul with her higher self. Encouraged by the Pleiadians and Lavendar, the book was completed in 2018. A trained counselor and energy worker, she also encourages others to integrate their soul's journey in personal sessions called Conversations. Like the book, the sessions are for anyone who is ready to understand, validate, and embrace their decision to come to Earth now. You can find Patty on her website, which is pattyfrenchauthor.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy and Jada for hosting the Switchboard tonight. For those who may have a question or comment for Patty. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk Radio. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here and you'll get our weekly show notices if you have those notifications enabled. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And if you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And then if you want a stage two interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it at least four months ahead to make sure you get it in before your ten hours since the waiting list has grown. So first up this evening, I want to introduce Anastasia with her fantastic Starseed News. Hey, Anastasia, Happy New Year.
2: Hey Hey there, Happy New Year to you and every other Starseed out there. It is great to be with you in this January, so lots of news while you all were gone and lots of things happening. Holy cow. Not can't begin to even touch it tonight, but I tried to pick out some of the most interesting stories. Um, and I want to thank Lavendar and other starseed who contributed to this show tonight. Bless your all hearts. Bless all of your hearts. <laughs> Well, the Milky Way, <laughs> the Milky Way is headed towards a catastrophic collision with a large Magellanic Cloud. Scientists are telling us it's on a collision course with this neighboring galaxy. That tell, and they tell us this could fling our solar system into space. Well, we're already into space, but I think what they yeah. mean knock it out <laughs> of alignment. They say this might take two billion years. Uh, hmm. And they said that this collision would happen much sooner than the predicted impact between the Milky Way and another one of our galactic neighbors, the Andromeda, which scientists say will hit our galaxy in about 8 billion years. The coming together with the large Magellanic Cloud could wake up our galaxy's dormant black hole, and that would begin devouring the surrounding gas and increase the black hole's size by up to 10 times. So, mark your calendar between two and eight billion years. <laughs> It'll be a big event in this region of space. Yes, sir. And uh, well, you guys, I suppose you all have heard about this, it's big. China has had a probe that has landed on the dark side of the moon. A Chinese spacecraft has become the first ever to land on the far side of the moon, according to state run media. And this is a surprising victory, they say, for human space exploration. really is pretty shocking. I mean, this is China. Now, this Chinese robotic probe is named Changi-4. I think that's probably pronounced close enough. It's landed on the dark side of the moon. It's become, it's become the first man-made craft to alight on that unexplored surface, according to reports from Chinese state media. Now, the report uh, says that the probe landed in the South Pole Basin, the oldest, largest, and deepest crater on the moon's surface, as far as we know anyway. The moon's dark side remains largely unexplored, unexplored because, they say, that position shields it from radio frequencies, preventing direct contact with the Earth. Now, to solve that problem, China launched the relay satellite Uh, earlier this year, to transmit signals from the dark side of the moon. The first photo relayed back to Earth by the probe shows a relatively flat, rocky surface pockmarked by a large crater. No surprise there. Chang'e 4 will perform several experiments while on the moon, including testing whether plants will grow in the low-gravity environment, exploring the poles to find water or other resources, observing the interaction between solar winds and the lunar surface and conducting first lunar low-frequency radio astronomy experiment. Now, they tell us that since the far side of the moon is shielded from electromagnetic interference from the Earth, that sounds refreshing, doesn't it? They say it's an ideal place to research the space environment and solar bursts, And the probe can listen to the deepest reaches of the cosmos, or maybe we should say deeper reaches of the cosmos. That's big. That's just really big. We've had some earthquake activity, no surprise there. Some volcanic activity, not a surprise. There was an earthquake of 6.4 that struck off the south coast of Japan just today. According to the USGS, no reports of damages or casualties now, you might not know this, but Japan accounts for about 20% of the world's earthquakes of magnitude 6 or greater. And I might add, wow. they're covered up with nuclear power plants. All right. In Mexico, we've had swarms of locusts. Uh, the Yucatan capital has witnessed millions of locusts that covered the sky just like a cloud, blacking out the sun. Now, one of the main characteristics of locusts, as you probably already know, Is a great ability to migrate from one place to another and in certain circumstances reproduce very rapidly. They form devastating uh, uh, pestilence that destroys entire crops, and they're considered very harmful for agriculture. And in fact, in Mexico, they're very concerned about it. This is quite a recent emergence of these insects, and they've already started to spread to other provinces of Mexico. I think... They first appeared about three days ago, and they're moving across the landscape, consuming all of the agriculture in their path. And on Papua New Guinea, there has been another eruption. Uh, They say that uh, it pummeled local villages with volcanic rock and then finally went back to sleep for a while or went dozing. And in Onesia, in the Moloka, uh, Moloka Islands there, they had a 6.6 earthquake, and another earthquake in Alaska, a 6.1, that hit southwest of Adak. And Brazil had a 6.8 earthquake that shook a remote part of Brazil. That's pretty big. So far, I haven't heard of any reports of damages. Um, pretty remote, not, not really near any uh, settlements, 6.8. Well, in our what-the-heck department, (laughs) Google wins U.S. approval for new radar-based motion sensor called Project Soli. What's Google doing? Well, Alphabet Inc.'s Google unit won approval from U.S. regulators to deploy a radar-based motion sensing device, as I've already said, is known as Project Soli. The Federal Communications Commission said in an order late yesterday that it would grant Google a waiver to operate the Soli sensors at higher power levels than currently allowed. Why? Well, the FCC also cleared the sensors to be operated aboard aircraft. The FCC said their decision will, quote, serve the public interest by providing for innovative device control features using touchless hand gesture technology, end quote. Again, what the heck is this all about? And why are they allowing them to use higher powers than currently allowed? We already have enough of that. But there it is. Very slim pickings in this article. Doesn't give us much information, but would bear some further research. Hmm. Why is Google uh, deploying a radar-based motion sensing device? Why? Is that it has to
1: benefit to them? <laughs> In some way, it has huh? to benefit them.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Would wonder if they might be doing that for the good old USA. Don't know. Anyway, you all have probably heard about this. That mysterious anomaly under Africa? They're telling us that this is weakening Earth's magnetic field. They tell us that above our heads, high in the sky, something is not right. Earth's magnetic field is in a state of dramatic weakening. According to mind-boggling research from earlier this year, this phenomenon is a disruption Disruption. that's part of a pattern that's lasted over a thousand years. Now, they tell us that Earth's magnetic field doesn't just give us our north and south poles. It also protects us from solar winds and cosmic radiation. They say that this invisible force is rapidly weakening, dramatically weakening, to the point that scientists believe it could actually flip, meaning our magnetic poles will reverse. Now, we've heard this a lot. And the article goes on to say, but it has happened over time, last occurred about 780,000 years ago. And they're predicting that they're not sure if another such flip is imminent, and they say that they don't have any hard data, Uh, they can't really track it. And the region right now that concerns scientists the most is called the South Atlantic Anomaly. And this is a huge expan- expanse of this field stretching from Chile to Zimbabwe. They tell us that the field is so weak, the magnetic field is so weak within that anomaly, that it's hazardous for Earth satellites to get into it because the additional radiation it, that it's letting through to the planet would disrupt uh, satellite electronics.
1: Yeah, who
3: cares about
2: the people? <laughs> right, Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, wow. Oh boy. Well, now I know a lot of our Star Seeds are vegetarians, and some aren't. Um, So I pose this question to you: If you do eat meat, would you? And and you might be be, uh, shunning GMO food in general, hopefully, where you can. Would you eat a gene edited piece of beef, or maybe a chicken leg, or maybe a pork chop? No. Uh, Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Scientists in labs across the world are now creating virus-resistant pigs, heat-tolerant cattle, and fatter, more muscular lambs. They're doing this with uh, genetic engineering. And the big question is to them, will regulations, safety concerns, and public doubt prevent these advances from becoming anything more than just laboratory experiments? Or will these modified animals transform agriculture and the food uh, industry, the food supply? Well, I hope the answer is the former. But uh, they tell us that gene editing tools have jump-started research worldwide. All over the world, laboratories are working to create more than 300 pigs, cattle and sheep, and goats... They're making these, specifically, gene genetically modified or genetically edited. Now, proponents of this scientific research in the United States say that the United States is at a make-or-break moment when government action over the next year could determine whether any gene-edited food animals will make it to market. Hmm, opposition alert here years up. <laughs> For decades, now scientists have been transferring genes between species in the lab, inserting a gene from a microbe into a cow's DNA, or maybe a rat, who knows, to make it resistant to something like maybe uh, mastitis, which is a painful infection in a cow. Or maybe they've been repurposing a gene found in bacteria to reduce the pig's phosphorus pollution. Oh, my. Well, the only genetically modified animal approved for food consumption in the United States right now is the fast-growing AccuAdvantage salmon. But it isn't being sold because of a labeling requirement that was originally introduced in a spending bill. Thank goodness for that. So here they are. They are really working to edit the meat that we eat in innumerable ways without having any idea how this will affect the gene pool down the road. Or we even what the, you know, we talked about that gene-edited baby a few weeks back, that the, uh, the geneticist in science claimed to have uh, produced a child uh, from an edited uh, egg, uh, fertilized egg, wherein he got in there and he clipped out the HIV uh, susceptibility gene that that child had inherited. Uh, because his, its father had HIV, and the baby was born uh, without HIV. But later scientists are claiming now that that child is going to be more susceptible to, um, oh, shoot, what is it? Oh, I'm sorry, my mind went blank. One of those tropical viruses. So editing one gene made the child more vulnerable to something else. And so scientists, not having any idea really of the um, ramifications of these kinds of actions. And there's no end to it in sight. I mean, it's happening all over the world. So maybe many people that aren't vegetarian soon will be if this occurs. <laughs> if this occurs. But
1: doesn't that, would that apply to organic meat?
2: You know, it has to yeah, say organic that's... and non-GMO. And as far, this is the thing about the gene editing. I'm ad-libbing now. I'm not reading Uh, I wanted to mention to you that so far there isn't a labeling requirement for gene editing. There's a big argument uh, over the fine print of this as to whether or not, see, the scientists that do it simply say that genes can, if you've heard of epigenetics, uh, in epigenetics they've discovered that genes can turn themselves on and off, or they can turn off aspects of themselves or turn aspects on uh, that would make a person vulnerable to a condition or a disease in one moment, and then that gene could turn off that capacity, uh, uh, rendering that, that vulnerability a moot point, which really uh, is, as far as I'm concerned, a uh, uh, endorsement of consciousness, What the uh, uh, application of consciousness in health. By working through consciousness, uh, we can affect these genes because they obviously have are, are able to do different things. Science is now showing that it's not a given. Your genes may be inclined to do one thing and may be uh, uh, influenced by your consciousness or your awareness to do something different. Uh, so anyway, I kind of took a sideline there, but scientists are claiming that in nature, genes naturally modify themselves or edit themselves. And therefore... There's nothing unnatural about what they're doing, and therefore it should not require them to label uh, these gene-edited products, or perhaps even GMO products, I don't know, although I think that is required. Maybe it's voluntary. Anyway, the point being is that we may not be able to know what has been gene-edited. And, you know, uh, there's a particular brand of potato chips, famous. Um, that uses all GMO products. And if you look at certain bags of their potato chips, you will see down at the back of it, it says contains genetically modified ingredients. And yet some of their bags that say organic do not have that on the back of the bag. They do not say that they are genetically modified. But neither do they say that they are not. So if it doesn't say that it isn't, non-GMO, then you could probably suspect that it is because I think that that is pretty much voluntary on the part of some of these companies. I'm not sure about that. So if it doesn't say it is not GMO, uh, then it probably is. And as far as the genetic editing, no labeling requirements are in effect now. So uh, there you have it. And as far as the salmon, um, I guess it's not being sold because they're required to label it. And I guess they figure if they label it, people won't buy it. And I do think there's quite a bit of uh, backlash going on against GMO, and I think the industry is um, uh, feeling the hit from that. People really aren't taking that sitting down, at least aware people are not. There are many people who don't care, but enough of the public is concerned about it and is spending the extra money on their food products to make sure that they're eating as natural food as possible. So I think the dollar bill speaks, and what we spend our money on has effect on what the outcome of all of this experimentation is going to be. Now, unfortunately, in medicine, that isn't going to have much of an impact because if there are uh, genetic editing uh, techniques that are used in a medical way, that is paid for largely by insurance companies. And um, so a lot of that stuff, um, that the procedures that even happen to us, uh, In medicine, we don't really know what they are, and we don't really necessarily are informed or give consent either. Anyway, so that was a very long answer to a very simple question, Ariel. but (laughs) sorry about that. Well, now, here, look, how many of you out there use Alexa? Mm. Well, I I, I don't know. I wouldn't even dream of such a thing. But a lot of people buy it. A lot of people use it. We have smart refrigerators now. We got Smart this and Smart That. <sighs> Amazon customer got 1,700 audio files of a complete stranger who used Alexa. Let me explain. An, anim- an Amazon company excuse me, an Amazon customer in Germany contacted Amazon to review his archive di- data. He wanted to see what what they had on him, and he wasn't expecting to receive the recordings of a complete stranger speaking in the privacy of that stranger's own home. How did that happen? Well, Amazon sent this man a download link to track searches on the website and 1,700 audio recordings made by Alexa that were generated by this other person. The man said, I was very surprised about that because I don't use Amazon Alexa, so I randomly listened to some of these audio files and couldn't recognize any of the voices. Now, this unknown man could be heard in all parts of his house, even in the shower. A female voice was present on the recordings. There were alarm clock and music commands, weather questions, and comments between people related to their work and their living habits and their personal lives. Now, the man who generated the files through this Alexa device said that Amazon had not reached out to him to notify him about the leak. Now, this particular data leak follows similar incidents associated with Alexa. In May, a couple in Oregon found that their Amazon Echo sent a conversation to the husband's employee. And a North Carolina man said that last year, his echo recorded a discussion and then sent that discussion to his insurance agent. Yikes, people. All right, a couple of quotes for the week to reinforce the natural way of life, okay? (laughs) Before you become too entranced with gorgeous gadgets and mesmerizing video displays, let me remind you that information is not knowledge. Knowledge is not wisdom, and wisdom is not foresight. Each grows out of the other, we need them all. And that is given to us by Arthur C. Clarke. And lastly, instead of knowledge, information, and data, how about if we begin our quest for truth? And lest we get into argument about what truth is, hear what Gandhi had to say. He said, truth is by nature self-evident. As soon as you remove the cobwebs of ignorance that surround it, it shines clear.
1: Oh, I like that.
2: All right. From my heart to each one of you for this week and this new year, 2019, all the love in existence... And I hope that you send that love out, radiate it from your own hearts, and together we'll all light up the world. We can do it. What a a time to be alive. The conditions in the world at this moment is calling out the highest and the best in each one of us. And we all have a great, tremendous amount of light and transformational ability to share. We can do it, and we can do it even better together. Thank you, Arielle, for this opportunity, and I look forward to another year with all of you.
1: Thank you so much, Anastasia. Great job on the news, as always, and uh, it's good to be back.
2: Yes, great to have you back.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we'll talk to you next week, and thank you so much. You bet. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, well, let me get our guest... Patty French, let me get your mic open. <laughs> and Lavendar, get your mic open. Okay. Hi, Patty. Welcome to the show.
4: Hi, Arielle. It's lovely to hear your voice.
1: Oh, it's good to talk to you again. It's It's been, well, well 2012, it's the last it's, time I saw you. 2012, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, Lavendar, you yeah. set to go? I'm ready. Okay. Take it away.
5: So, Patty... I really got into your book. I I spent two days with it, and I got to look through your eyes as you wrote it, which was really a trip, and it really reminded me of so much of what we all need to know today about discernment of who we're playing with in the metaphysical community. So start off by telling us a little bit about why you wrote the book, and just go into what you want to share with us today.
4: Okay, well, the book was inspired, um, initially, I was um, approached by, you know, my Pleiadian members of my team, you know, I have a team with a number of different star races, and they said, you know, you really want you to write a book about your life, and we will infuse it with activations. Right, I thought, Okay. <laughs> What, but, but I'm just an ordinary person, you know. I, I sort of And then I began to look at my life in a different way and saw that actually I had had and I'm still having quite extraordinary experiences. And in the middle of that, I, I had several sessions with Lavender a few years ago in which she said, you have this book in you. It needs to be an airport book. And I sat with that and I thought, but I'm a non-fiction writer. How can I write an airport book? You know they are novels. I'm not I don't write novels. So anyways, eventually this all came out, and the the um, the book began to take shape. It actually took me three years solidly of writing it. Um, where the Pleiadians came into the to the final stages of the book is that they actually gave me or or showed me um, a whole variety of experiences. And and I actually know they facilitated them as well, so that I could get completion of some of the the loose ends and stories of my own life, so that I could actually be in a position to finally write this book for others, because it's for others, with the activations in place. So that's kind of a, a nutshell version of it.
5: Tell us a little bit about your 25 years of being part of a cult.
4: Um, okay, well, I see that that was one of the biggest learning experiences of my entire life. You know, because I went into it a bright-eyed, fresh-faced, 20-something-year-old. And by the time I came out of it, you know, I was, I was nearly 50. And although I wasn't um, actively involved in the last few years of my membership, it actually did completely affect my whole life. It, it, I was left at the end broke, um, not knowing who I was, disempowered, codependent you know, it really broke my, my, um, it broke me. But at the very beginning, there was no hint of that. It was welcome to this wonderful group of people. This is in the UK. So it was a very English, um, kind of fresh-faced English sort of group. It wasn't weird. It wasn't a hippie group. It was a group of English people. And they said, you know, welcome, you're home now. Um, Just, you know, come and be with us, work with us, you know, and I learned a lot of stuff. And gradually over time, um, I, I felt less and less connected to myself rather than more and more. Like at the very beginning, I was really, you know, I was on a roll. I, I was in the UK to, to learn, to follow my spiritual journey. And then by, the, by halfway through my membership in that group, I was really like just such a, a, a reduced figure because it was structured, very heavily structured, hierarchical, um, male-dominated, and there was just no place for a, for a star seed, you know, which obviously we didn't know about star seeds back in the in the 70s in the same way as we do now. So it was a massive experience, and I came out of it and I made several decisions. I was sitting there, I had absolutely nothing, I'd lost my husband, my home, my job, I was I had no friends, and I just thought, well, this is it, girl. You've really got one. You can only go one way from here, or you can go two ways, but you're going up. So I, I rebuilt my life, found my power, um, got a job, found somewhere to live and really have never looked back. So um, it was very, very challenging and it took years to heal a lot of the, the patterns of being in that group and being so disempowered. But, but I did do it and anybody can do it, but it's hard work. There's no shortcut. So,
5: <laughs> Tell us a little yeah. bit about, about some of your experiences that you've had finding out about
4: the reptilians on the planet okay well the reptilians i started to meet the reptilians i first met them while i was in that group um because there, were like all these groups there were if you look behind the scenes and you actually could see that the leadership were never walking their talk and so what that happened and it was a very empowered situation because they did actually have they had connected to quite powerful energies but they were misusing their power. And so one day I was um, sitting in a group of people and actually saw a reptilian um, in in one of the members of the leadership. And that was incredibly challenging to me because I'd never seen one before. And I could see it. It was like flickering in and out of his face and, you know, taking over his body. He was shape-shifting. And really um, what that led to was a group of us Actually challenged, you know, they could see his behaviour. I could see him, but they could see his behaviour, and we actually challenged him, which was a very brave thing to do because he was the son of the founder of that cult. And and we thought, well, we can't actually live with this. So, in a way, that was my first experience of tackling, of tackling the, um, the, you know, the species, and saying, no, I'm not having you. I'm here to show you up, but I'm not going to allow you to 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 come into my life and to be you know to be this this influence in my life and so after that I had several other experiences including one which I've shared with Lavender personally um, I'm not sure do you think we should talk about it Lavender do you think it's okay if we discuss our rupture Yeah it's, t- it's, t- it's
5: time that people know Go it's ahead. time
4: to bring it out uh, Yeah look I I need to, to to say this in a particular way because are you still there I've just I'm still it. here. Yeah, because basically the the Ramsa School is very litigious. They love suing people. So I'm just going to say that this was my personal experience. It's a wonderful group of people. They've got great teachings. But this was my own experience. So I want to just preface that because I don't really want them um, coming after me. So what I'm saying is that I actually saw Rumpster as a reptilian one day. I was I was actually in a meditation. He wasn't present, but it was in his name. It was in a in a, a place in the countryside in in Australia. Group of people doing months of work with, you know, there was um, tape playing with his, you know, his. He was guiding a meditation, and and suddenly he, he was right there in front of me, and he was massive, a massive reptilian, and I just thought I refused to have anything more to do with this. I had just. I was in a very vulnerable position at that time. It wasn't long after I left the cult. I had no friends and I was, these people had embraced me and said, you know, come and come and be with us. It sounds familiar. But at that time I was vulnerable and my discernment was way out of whack. But as far as the reptilians are concerned, my discernment's always been spot on. And so I see that that was another point. I actually walked away from all those people. I walked away from that situation and, um, Really, I just I was very grateful for the experience because it was another another learning experience on my journey, um, which has cemented that the whole discernment.
5: Really, well, one thing about it: if you go through the Rampa experim- experience, you do get discernment sooner or later.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so because there's so many things that again, this is on the public record. What I'm about to say. But what I experienced, and I know that some of the listeners will have been to the Rumpfer School, you know, it's huge. And I met, I've been to, I have met Rumpfer several times in person, as Jay Z Knight in person, as Rumpfer, um, at the school, and because Australia is one of their main places that they go and actually do what they, this what they call their school. Now, you know, I think that it's it's really um, it's, a, it's a huge con to me because they don't walk their talk you know there's a lot of they they drink a vast amount of wine i've seen rump to drink five bottles of wine and you know whilst to some people that might be acceptable it was never acceptable to me um you know because of the state that that reduced you know the body as he calls he calls jay-z the body so i just found that really quite shocking and witnessed a lot of drunkenness you know, around me in those gatherings that were supposed to be spiritual education. But to me, there's a big gap, gap between spiritual education and what I saw there.
5: It was spiritual yeah. education. It was just of a different kind.
4: <laughs> yes, right?
5: absolutely. <laughs> so tell us a little absolutely. bit about your work with Joshua Stone. He was a, a New Age uh, thought leader that that taught you had a channel. Tell us a little bit about your experience with him.
4: I'm, I I found him. He was just a charming man, you know. He was, he was, um, he he was like bubbling over. I would say that we would call him ADHD now. But he his mission in life was to bring into one place every bit of spiritual understanding that had ever been on the planet. And so he created all these multitudinous volumes that I'm sure, again, some of the older members of your audience will have encountered Joshua Stone's work. Um, and I was like quite caught at the time because it seemed so clean to me and and really well founded. After having, because I was still on the journey, I still wanted to know, you know, I was I was after my you know spiritual truth. So it just seemed really wholesome and clean. And so for quite a short period of time, I was follow, I, I, I took on a role in Australia of being a branch leader. What he would what he called a branch leader, where I just had little groups that we used to just study his books and. It was It was fairly low key, um but in that process i actually um I thought, well, everything I've seen about his work it to me you know it's good, it resonates it's not it's not where I want to go myself, but it's it's good, and i'll I'll take on some of his practices so I started channeling well i i, I did the Heart of Channel course, which is you know quite a straightforward program that he had, and then suddenly <laughs> I became overwhelmed with all sorts of beings. Um, yeah, and it needed a lot of discernment to sort those out over time. So I did. <laughs> and that's what led me to the direct experience of my very very diverse star family.
5: Yeah. So uh, in 1968 and 69, you went to Canada, then to California, and then you experienced mind control through live music and realized this much later after reading the book what weird scenes inside the canyon and Mind Control yes. from Intelligence Community families. So tell us a little bit about that.
4: Sure. Now, do you know the book, Lavender? Do you know about the work? I don't know, Gowen? but I'm going and to get
5: it. Yeah.
4: I would really, you'll love it. It's right up your street. You'll, it, it's, Um. He, unfortunately, he passed away about three years ago. But prior to that, he did very, very in-depth research on the whole phenomenon of um, the transmission of, the mind control programs, you know, you know about MK Ultra and Project right. Monarch and all those programs, yeah, that came out of the military. Well, what is not was really not so well known until he began to, you know, to basically expose it, was the fact that in in this Laurel Canyon, you know, which is like a suburb, at one of the canyons of of LA, um, they, they gathered over a period of several years an extraordinary number of the then rock musicians, you know, the, the, the ones that, like, I grew up with, and, you know, Jim Morrison and, and you know, that um, I can't even think of all the names, but all the, all the groups that were really the, do- well, he had the doors, but basically Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, all the groups that we of my generation, the Baby Boomers, absolutely loved. And I was really horrified to find out that they were actually mind controlled in the sense that there were so many anomalies about them, like every all of the great names were all almost all from military families and military intelligence families, not just regular soldiers but the high elite of the military intelligence generals, you know all those kind of people, and the diplomats and and I mean, I really think that anyone that's interested should read the book because it feels unfair to just get to, to try and do an upshot of it. It's so detailed. But anyway, he discovered this, and then he also began to understand and learn about um, the way that the frequency of the music was infused with mind control programs. And this is all part of the hijacking of the hippie movement. That's what it's really about. And I was, um, I was in... Um, LA briefly during that period and I actually used to go to a lot of live concerts so I was felt I was in direct receipt of this this mind control programming and I didn't realize till much later but what I do remember is I remember the day that everything went dark that the darkness started to come into the hippie movement because they did sabotage the hippy movement you know it started out as a, a genuine you know um, energetic arising but pretty quickly it got taken over. And I can remember the day that that happened for me. I'll never forget it. It was, um, I'd I'd just missed out on going to Woodstock and I was sitting with some friends and we heard about this um, concert that had gone really, really wrong at Altamont. And I mean, I'm sure these names again, mean something to you, you know, since you're mostly US listeners. And from that moment, you know the drugs, the heavy drugs came in. The, the hard, the hard people came in. The bikies, all that came into the, and basically began to um, really take over the core of of the the heavy movement as it was. And you know, so rather than just being you know pot and 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 having fun in the summer of love, it was it was after the summer of love, and it, it got really nasty. So the other effect of that was that there's a whole generation that that were, I believe. Seriously impaired by that by that mind control through the music, and in my book I actually talk quite a lot about it, and I and I give um, you know references to how it works because it's it's locked into the harmonies of the music, and it's it's very much on the same principle as um, the the kind of mind control that they use in use in MK Ultra, which is trauma based. So so the actually it splits, splits people off into different segments, like they call them alters. So this was this was happening in broad terms with the, with the um, people getting stoned and then being very vulnerable and open and getting all this stuff. It was subliminal stuff put into them. But there was also other people who were um, being programmed through the use of the trauma-based um, mind control, and that was a lot of musicians themselves. So, so, that, so the
5: name of the book yeah. is Weird uh, Scenes Inside the Canyon. Who is the author?
4: Canyon? Dan, D-A-N mcgowan m-c-g-o-w-a-n
5: dan mcgowan weird so- scenes Half inside extended. the canyon i'm definitely going to look that up it's i really want to know
4: title. about this have, yeah uh, you do lavender i think i mean i know that from our conversations that you would you really need to know this stuff well no. everybody needs to know it because it's the background of the world that we're in it's it's the beginning of of what we're experiencing now it's just the early stirrings of the kind of imposition that we're under now.
5: Well, and let's talk about where we are now. I know that you've been doing a lot of research on 5G, so just just tell our our listeners what you've learned about 5G and how dangerous it really is. Go ahead.
4: Okay. Well, yeah, sure. Um, I have written a short. Well, I've compiled with together with some other people under one of my pen names, which is Annie. Annie is a pen name of mine, Annie Kirby, and she. We have, have actually collaborated and brought articles together in one place so that people can find out about it. You can get that on my website for free. So I'm just saying that first because the information that I've provided there is the simplest information I could find but it's still quite detailed and it's, it's just a massive series of articles from reputable scientists and people that understand it saying, what the hell are we doing bringing this out it's got such potential, you know, potentially so damaging to humans and it hasn't been tested long-term. So it, it, the effects of it, I mean, nobody really knows because it's only been, um, it's only been uh, rolled out in a few places. But, Lavender, you sent me an article um, a few days ago when I told you about this and in which there's a, a personal description of someone in Vienna where it's been rolled out and, and the sort of symptoms that are coming out in people you know, dizziness, nosebleed, sickness, um, ringing in the ears, you know, a whole variety of symptoms. But they're on a spectrum, so not everybody gets affected. And that's actually a key That's a key point. It's, it's like, you know, when your car has an intermittent bolt and the, and the guy says, well, I don't know what's wrong with your car. You know, it's fine to me. For some people, they won't be affected by 5G. So it's going to take like a huge grassroots, you know, um, movement. To actually get any any better research done that that shows the actual long-term effects so I believe from what I've been reading that the long-term effects will be potentially you know multiple forms of cancer um, effects on fertility uh, very serious potential effects on children and old people and anybody whose immune system is impaired and that hasn't got the strength it's going to have big effects on the environment and it already is and you know, something that I've been um, following myself is the effect on trees. Um, so what they're doing, and and this is something I would just ask you all to have a think about, you know, just think about the trees and, and have you noticed, and I know it's happening in the States because it's happening here where I live in Australia, trees are just being, you know, they're being chopped down at a vast rate and, and there's all sorts of reasons like new housing development or, you know, um, in, in England they're saying, "Oh no, the leaves are on the line, on the railway line," but they've got a massive boundary, you know, between the, the trees and the railway lines. But they're they're, they're cutting down far more trees than you've ever ever seen before. That because they're not saying why, we're not noticing. Um, but that 5G cannot go through trees. 5G is a very short range wavelength, and it requires um, it. it an antenna like it's really close together like every lamppost and it won't go through trees
5: so So that's why they're cutting down the trees
4: that's what i believe but i don't believe that the people who are doing it know that that's part of it and in the in the free ebook there's a whole load of information there about the relationship between the wildfires in california and the way that the trees were were burnt so if you want to read it go and look at the ebook i don't want to misrepresent anything but there's a lot of information in there, which, you know, I just found really quite disturbing. And also on my on my website, um, there is a blog. I've done a blog about trees in which I brought some of these points out. But I've also said, just think about these dystopian movies, these really, you know, post-apocalypse <laughs> movies. Where There's no trees there. There's just stumps. And do you remember in Avatar, they blew up that amazing tree. And so it, it's like somehow... The power and the and the knowledge and the wisdom of the trees is is a seen as a threat to to whoever is you know behind all this. So, wow, that's that's my personal opinion. <laughs> I
5: think you're onto something. Absolutely,
4: I do. Yeah, and, and look, this is all just my research. I really urge people to go and read for themselves, think about it, look at things from a different way, you know, because it's only with you know awareness can we actually, you know, rise up and say, you know we are more powerful than this and I'm not talking about political movements or anything I'm I'm talking about human consciousness because the only thing that can actually stand against any of this stuff is, is our, us being empowered you know our light our soul's light it's just you know we are we are powerful and so, we Patty, know that.
5: so in Australia do you have a timetable of when they're bringing in 5g over there
4: yeah yeah uh, 2020
5: oh 2020
4: but it's already um, it's already on its way. They've they've got a few places where they've got like test you know a test area. But the the friend of mine that's actually written something in the e-book who's a, an engineer uh, up for this is a five G expert said that the places that they've got it at the moment, like there's a um, an area um, a really built up area that they've got like a, a couple of miles square where they've put it out. It's nothing like full strength. So it's not anywhere in australia at full strength right now but it is in places in europe and, and do australia. you also have
5: the smart meters on your house for electricity over there yeah, they
4: do here I, yeah yeah i'm very fortunate that i live in an old block of units of a, apartments and the the master you know meter is not near me but um yeah that's another it's, it's all around it's the whole internet of things you know but the, the, i mean they, they've created this beautiful picture of you know everything's connected to everything else and you know your fridge knows when it's empty and it orders food for you i mean who asked for that lavender do you want that sort of stuff in your
5: house i (laughs) surely
4: don't
5: i don't want to be up in other people's business
4: (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i mean it's like they've created this whole fantasy world you know like you can download 20 movies you know who wants to download 20 movies you know, at, at the same time or whatever. You know, all the members of your family can be downloading movies. and But there's things that they, they're proposing that they're so off the screen of most people, you know, who can afford, you know, four or five smart televisions, you know, so they can download the movies. And it, it's to me, it just doesn't stand up. It's not reasonable. Right. So I
5: noticed that in one of your chapters, you've named it My Curry Flavored Soul. I thought that was a very clever title, and this was about your time in India. Would you like to talk a little bit about your, some of your experiences over there?
4: Well, most of them have been have taken place not actually in India, but um, I've always had this obsession with India, and I didn't actually go there till I was in my 60s. I went there after the time I was in Arkansas. So, you know, really... Um, but I had always loved, like, I mean, so many of us, you know, we wore the clothes, I mean, we, we you know, the happy thing. We all, we all did the India thing at the same time. But I hadn't ever really been, um, I hadn't been drawn into it like a lot of my friends would be into the guru thing. I'd never had a guru. I'd never been interested in pursuing Indian religion in any way. But it was still kind of, you know, it was sort of bubbling away behind me. And then I went to India and, had certain experiences there which were absolutely amazing I loved it I just had a beautiful time and I met I went to a particular place which I don't name but it was a vortex a really powerful vortex and met just beautiful beautiful souls there and then a year later um, I started getting emails from someone that was actually um, planning to go and do some special galactic ceremony there and this felt really bad my discernment went crazy when I saw this and Anyway, cut a very long story short, I found out that it was actually a hijacking by the the not-so-friendly galactics. They wanted this sacred site, this PowerPoint vortex. And I was instructed by my um, guidance team, as I call them, how to stand against that and hold the light and prevent that happening. And that was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. I just sat there quietly. I I wasn't told how to do it, so I just called everybody in and just said, look, I, do, I want to stand against this. This is, um, this is not on. Um, anything I can do to help, please use my light. And so, yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm assuming that it was okay. I was told later that it had been successful but it took, and it did take a few months for me to recover from that because um, I realized that I just, because I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was just able to trust and surrender my light To that job and I'm sure I wasn't the only person involved in that but so that was really powerful and then I kept realising that you know there was still more stuff to do about India and it was it was haunting me and I I just knew I'd had so many past lives so um, a couple of years ago um, someone just turned up in my life who was an Indian um, devotee and he was from the um, from california and a complete 100 percent devotee and again to cut a long story short he through his through his presence in my life for just a few months and through direct intervention by the pleiadians i was able to use that time a to meet some of the actual bigwig indian gurus i met some of you know i met a few of the avatars both in the um in In the flesh and also in the other dimensions, I went on interdimensional journeys and met them. and I was able to release like massive number of past lives and and some of them could have been imprinted lives, you know like they I didn't necessarily live them, but they were there for the learning. But basically there were hundreds of them. and because at that time this man really worked hard to bring me into the fold, into the fold of the the Indian Vedic energy. And he did succeed for a time. Um, but I, but my discernment and my, my assistance from the Pleiadians specifically, uh, they told me in great detail exactly what they'd had to do. They got me out of that. And that whole, I was able to process that whole thing out and learn everything about what it meant to give your soul journey over to some of these gurus. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that studies Indian religion or that becomes a sincere devotee, is a bad person or a misguided person. I'm saying that there are out there, there are people calling themselves gurus, some of them with big names, who are actually there to, to hijack the soul journey of the devotees. And Absolutely. I I've seen
5: this time and time again. For for as long <laughs> that's as that's I've it. been associated with this work, I've been tracking this energy that yes. hijacks a lot of starseed and, and carries Absolutely. them away with with their... Uh, vedic entities okay that's uh,
4: absolutely thank yeah. you and and look i think that it's obviously like all of these things and i just must say at, at, at this point that everything i'm talking about is is to do with the starseed journey this is all about the starseed journey because other people don't have these experiences you know i mean star seeds are here you know for such a special you know reason and and we, we just need to uncover that and that and we, we have to clear away all the stuff that comes from our past lives and from our, our choices in this life. We just have to heal all of that and, and I call that, you know, healing the the soul wound. So, but when it gets back to India, I think that the Indian Vedic entities are the most um, devious, they're the most powerful, they're the most seductive, they work through the music, you know that the... Um, the kirtan music, they work through all the chants and the pujas and the ceremonies and the, and the you know, just everything. They create this whole seductive, hypnotic um, space that people just can't resist if that is on their path. And I'm, I, I actually cleared all of that um, over the period of about six months so that now I can listen to Indian music. I still love the fabrics. I love the food. But I'm completely not susceptible anymore to that Vedic um, energy. And I can see it in other people very clearly. And I can help point it out, you know. Um,
5: Reading your book was just absolutely a delight for for my weekend reading because I got to see some of myself in in the journeys that you were taking. Because we all, you know, we all wake up on the planet and decide that we're going to investigate metaphysical trainings. And reading your book really was like a walk down through my life, <laughs> and we're we're very close to the same age. So we, as you were experiencing different things at different times, I was too. I was right you there were. with you, especially with all that rompza stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got my PhD in rompza. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I know, and I'll never forget sitting with you at like Wichita. Is it Wichita? that how you said the one at in arkansas we sat by the lake and talked about rumpa um it was amazing yeah back in 2012 <laughs> yeah
5: well you came to our very first quest didn't you the first one we ever had i did yeah I did.
4: and it's it's engraved on my heart it's engraved and, on my know, heart too the
5: first re- one you never can redo a first and so we did the first in arkansas so we would love we to did. see you come back and visit us again to Arkansas, yeah, and I hope that, that that's going to be uh, possible in the near future. I'm looking at the time, and I'd like to pass you over to Arielle, my co-host. She has the switchboard, and there may be some people that want to call in and talk to you or ask you questions. It's been my pleasure you, talking February. with you, and it was my pleasure reading your book. So back to you, Ariel. Yes, thank
4: you. Okay. Well, this
1: has been fascinating. <laughs> really, It seems like you've been <laughs> everywhere and done everything. <laughs> So um, at this time, I would open up the switchboard if um, anyone, if you're already um, on the switchboard by calling in and you have a question or comment for Patty, then just press 1 and uh, our producers will get you set to come on. And if you're listening on the computer, then just pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292 and then once you're in, press 1 so, um you had put together um a thing called Star Seeds down under, and I think I noticed that in your You're your, still your email address yeah. so tell us about yeah. that
4: well, that was something that that I got a lot of encouragement from you and lavender and the others um to to put together. And in fact, you and I had a session in which you told me this amazing story about how you put the um, software together for for your site and everything. Look, what happened to that is that um, I couldn't do it alone. Um, I tried for some time to get it together. I was having to work full-time at that stage. Um, I couldn't find any people that were really on the same wavelength about it. And I regretfully had to let that lapse. Um, because I felt that the, the, I just couldn't do it. I didn't have the time, and I couldn't do all the roles. You know, you've got you've got people behind the scenes, and, and I was just not able to do that. Um, well, so I regret yeah, you've got to have a team. There, I couldn't it didn't yeah. have a team, and I know that there's been at least one person interested, and also it needs a younger, it needs a group of younger people who can take it into the future, um, because I've got so much else going on. So I have still got the domain name. If anyone that's listening is in this part of the world and you know feels inspired to do like a radio show or whatever they feel moved to do, I, it was originally we were going to have a radio show, weren't we? And um, yeah, so I'm sorry that just didn't happen. It's one of my regrets. But I've got well, the email we, address.
1: <laughs> since um, since you were with us in Arkansas in in 2012, uh, we've had. Um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of one star seed in particular and uh i don't think i want to actually say her name on the air because i, I didn't ask her I, if it I, was okay but
4: yeah, i have had one acquaintance yeah yeah
1: but i i think that um that you and she need to uh, to hook up or talk or or see because um she's really strong and mm-hmm. uh she um uh, right yeah Speaking of um, strong, she arranged for um, Stephen and Evan Strong um, mm-hmm. from Australia to to be on our show. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. So
4: yeah. we Lavender, are talking we'll, about the same person. Yeah, we, I know who okay. it is. I, we are talking about okay. the same person. She, she, I have made been had a little bit of communication and offered her help and offered her the name, but she hasn't got back to me recently. So if you're listening, <laughs> we know who you are. <laughs> I know who yeah. you are. And get in touch again. You can get in touch with me through Facebook Messenger. So, you know, we're called, we know who we are. Right. So, we have a caller who is um, ready to
1: ask you a question or tell you a comment, anyway. And so, you'll be talking to Caitlin. And let me just get your mic open. Okay, Caitlin, you are on the air with Patty French. Go ahead. Well, hi, Patty French. Hi, Caitlin. (laughs) How are you? I'm I'm
3: good I'm good so it's so nice to have to, when you're when the uh, message came on that you were going to be on the show I was really excited I've started your book obviously haven't gotten very far but I just want a comment that you know I really appreciate you doing this book in the form of a uh, a memoir because um, it, it's really powerful and it's also very motivating because I. Thought about writing a memoir, but it feels daunting, like you say and um, yeah. <laughs> but but just just to see how you 've you know taken the bits and pieces of your life and strung it together I, I find it very motivating and um but i but furthermore i I just really appreciate the 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 work that you 're doing you know with, for the star seeds and 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 how you you know are consistently committed to that um knowing you personally i i just really want to honor that commitment that you've made to the message that you are here to give um especially and especially now with the 5g things that are coming out i think there's a lot that has to be done there because that is very um, concerning
4: yes yes oh thank you Kate. And it's lovely to hear from you too <laughs> well i, I thank hope you, you for your comments. Hope you're gonna Yeah.
3: Yeah, and I hope you're going to come to Arkansas.
4: <laughs> It'd be nice yeah, to, well. to see you at a class. Yeah, <laughs> when the when the abundance rolls in, which it's on its way, I'll be there like a shot. It's it's number yeah. one on my bucket <laughs> list.
3: Absolutely, that'd be great. It'd Be great to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And too. and and everyone yeah. could benefit from your presence around here. All the star seeds could really benefit from what you bring. Thank you.
4: Yeah, and I'd just like to remind everyone that, you know, my website, com has got, it, it's four Star Seeds, so have a look. It's got free stuff on there as well. So I'd really, you know, like to, to, to meet up with some of you. It'd be really nice, you know, meet online. So, yeah. Thank you, Caitlin. That was great. So, great to hear from you. Yeah, thank you. you. It's
1: lovely to talk to you. Okay, well, Caitlin, we'll probably be seeing you pretty soon too in Arkansas.
3: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well I'm in Arkansas. You guys have to come here. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah. 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 Yeah, thank you, Ariel.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice to talk to you. Okay. Well thanks for calling in Caitlin. hmm Bye okay. bye. Bye bye. Well that was really nice to hear from Caitlin. You know, she's it she's was. come to Well, like I said she lives in Arkansas now, but um I, I've, I know, lost yeah, count of, yeah. I've lost count of how many quests she has come to very very strong <laughs> wonderful lady so yeah it'd be yes, and yes. I I believe um isn't that where you met her at the
4: starseed quest No I didn't actually I met her after I had been on to get to talk about my last my first book Step Up Into Your Starseed Shoes um, she oh, rang yes. in and asked her to you, I must meet that woman. <laughs> <laughs> so we met. And she came to Australia and she did some amazing workshops, and I attended them with her, and we became friends that way. So oh,
1: it was okay. indirect.
4: It was directly through you guys, but, but not directly through the Quest. Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, because I was trying to put the chronology in my mind, and it's like, I thought that Caitlin was at the Quest after you. The
4: second, or maybe two quests yeah, after you. Yeah.
1: But good. I'm, I'm yeah. you know, we are all so connected and it's like, you know, we'll meet up and do things together that we had planned to do, to do for a long time. Absolutely. So, um, and some of us, you know, from
4: that first quest before you go on, some of us from that first quest are still in touch with each other. So, that's pretty amazing.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah, and we've we've gone through a a Intense evolution with that, as we keep you know, refining and improving, and, um, the, and the groups are getting stronger and stronger and stronger. <laughs> we are um, in March when we have our 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 up our next upcoming quest. That'll be the twenty-fifth. So mm-hmm. you were at the first. You were at the very first one. Like Lavender said, that was wow. That was 20. a moment in
4: time. Yeah. Oh gosh. Very. Wow! All those wonderful people that I haven't met—you'll have to have one big, gigantic one for everybody that's ever been. Yeah, no. be so well, cool. yeah,
1: we did that in November. We had a, an alumni reunion,
4: yes. and I'm, yes. only yes.
1: only people that had already so it was all um, all of our Quest alumni, and that was really, really wonderful to see everybody come together like that.
4: Yeah, because I feel so, that there was an, a certain expectation that happens in in Arkansas that doesn't happen anywhere else. You know we on that on the quest you get activated by those crystals, and that was certainly an important point in my life, just to put that in well yeah,
1: yeah well yeah. the land the no, land okay. does it
4: mm. Mm. so um yeah
1: what is what is next for you
4: um well, at the moment i'm i'm in a in a place where I am just uh, making those very decisions. I love talking and writing and I'm, I'm working with groups of people. Well, I've got one group in particular, mainly focusing on people who are, um, you know, at the moment they're, they're all people that have either are or have been in the corporate world. And we're doing, we're working together on creating a modality for being able to include your spiritual journey within your work, you know, at high powered levels of the corporate world. And so that's, a you know, we're creating modality really. And that's, tremendous fun we're having such a good time doing that so that's
1: you know, a that, highlight
4: for me <laughs> a lot of people
1: a lot of people will jump on that because it's it's uh there seems to be two things that are opposed and when you can get them to exactly, blend
4: that's exactly right exactly yeah and there are people in, in the corporate world who who are like starseeds basically and and you know probably have moments of quiet desperation because they love their jobs but you know they they want some more. They want me more meaning. So yeah, we're working we're in the very early stages, but we're working on that. And also I'm looking at writing something new but I'm not quite sure what. So Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, we have another caller who is um ready to speak with you. So you're going to be talking mm-hmm. to Trisha. Let me get your mic open. Hi Trisha, you're on the air with Patty French. Go ahead with your question.
0: Oh hi, Ariel. And hi Lavender. This is Tricia. Um I'm the one that wrote the Star Seas Beyond Time, the novel, way back. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. It's that, Tricia. <laughs> hi. Yeah. Hi, hi Patty French. Um, I'm a okay. Kiwi girl, too. So um, yeah. Heidi Mai yeah. to you from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's so many synchronicities when you were talking. It was amazing because um, I went to your website and the first thing you see is the TUI. Right. Yes. And I don't know if yes. you follow New Zealand, but they've just discovered the first white tui. That was on the news yeah. today. So. And, yeah, wow. Yeah, not today. I,
4: thought, I don't know, but that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. So I Beautiful thought, bird. Oh, wow.
0: That's another synchronicity. <laughs> and um, and then you started talking about India, and um, I just finished writing a screenplay. I write novels. I write fiction mm-hmm. of these stories, mm-hmm. and um. It's about a corporate. It's all set in
4: corporate with
0: an Indian guru.
4: <laughs> so I'm going, wow, oh wow, <laughs> oh my goodness, we need to talk. I think. <laughs> yeah,
0: and um, but one of the things that I wanted to ask you was, um, where in New Zealand were you born? Christchurch. Okay, cause, um, I'm I was born in '54, and you seem around that similar age or younger or a little bit older. older. Whatever. A little bit older. A little bit older. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was born in um Bastion Point, right on the point, and okay. there's the um, Obisk and the Par. And yes, um, I found out that that was um, a vortex. That there, there are two rocks on that point, about 200 yards oh. from my house, that were mm. markers for the equinox that were put there. And wow. it's an alignment with the Ovis and the alignment with Rangatoto and and um, mm. I also found a really old medallion in Mission Bay when I was about five years old that I still have that has the Aquarian symbol in the middle and all of the planets around the outside and it's one of oh. those medallions where they have the woven edge, you know they they yes. have the, like the little rope yes. things that. Um, yes. When I see old medallions, they always have that. I've never had it looked at, but I don't know um, where it came from. But I think that was a real um, vortex. If you ever go up to Auckland, go up by the... Well, yeah. I mean, I
4: live in Australia, in but I'm, I'm going... Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's That's right, amazing. Uh, I mean, it's right by these two rocks.
0: And um, the other thing is, what do you feel with the vibrational energy of the Maori Pākehāra, or, you know, I don't really even like really that term, with, um, you know, I find it hard to live there because of the energy between the two. When I go back, it really mm. disturbs mm. me. And um, I find mm. the victim energy in the Maori is so prevalent in their energy. Yes. Um, they're still holding on to that. And, and the matriarch of chiefs and, yeah. and um, princes and, and things like that was quite big. Um, and also, the um, like I said to someone when I was back there, when do you create the elder? And when do you create the incarnation of that same energy that you bring back? Because you know you've been that presence. I know I've been tribal in New Zealand Mm -hmm. Um, so where do you where do you stop and start with what's indigenous to New Zealand after a while I mean how long do you have to be born in a country to become indigenous you know and Mm -hmm. um, anyway I'm going to leave that with you and the girls thank you for being on the air from
4: representing New Zealand blood I'd like to talk to you can you contact me through my Um, my my website website, com. Yeah, and yeah. I, cause I'd like to actually, there's a number of things I don't want to talk about on air that I'd really like to talk to you about in that respect of what you've just said, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. So it's not just me feeling that. Okay, fantastic. No, um, um, no and, the, and I there's more to you. To you, to you. Lot- yes. yes, aloha. <laughs> and how do you mind?
4: I'd love to talk to you as well, Trish, yeah. Okay.
0: Bye, Lavender, and bye, Ariel. I still catch Hi, the archives. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Um, big on calling, and but um, I do listen at different times. So, yeah, it's great to hear from you too. Well, thanks so much for calling in, Tricia. Oh, oh, you know what I didn't say? I've just written a musical, and it's all based on all of the groups that you're talking about, like that era. Um, in Oh, well. um, Laurel Canyon. <laughs> you know, from my memoir oh, my with Don Henley. So I've I'm um, caught up in that whole energy as well, with the um, oh my the eagles and the <laughs> Laurel Canyon. That was the other thing, yeah. though, that I was sitting there going, "Oh my God, this girl!" Oh. <laughs> I feel like. We must have been born. We got down there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Talk. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Okay, okay. Tricia. Okay, okay, Thanks you. And calling. I'm going to go back to the radio, so I'll hang up here. Bye. Okay.
1: Thanks. Bye.
0: Bye.
4: Well, the synchronicities just keep coming, don't they? <laughs> yeah. They do, and I, I always like to follow them through because you just don't know where they go, you know, where they're headed, and you know. So whenever anyone says that to me, I always like to catch up and see what else is there. Interesting, yeah. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. It's uh, when, the, when you have to pay attention to the timing um, of things, you know, and the synchronicity of things.
4: And yes, uh, don't let it be, don't oh, let it get by you. Right. Yeah. Never let it let it go by. I really I really try to live by that. You know, always follow things, follow the energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, we're just so happy that you were able to join us for the show. I know that it's early in the morning for you, isn't it?
4: No, no, it's midday now. It's um started at eleven o'clock. It's now fifteen minutes oh. past twelve. So it's a good time. Okay, so that was still
1: about 16 hours difference. So, well, that's good. I'm I'm oh, glad yeah, that you didn't lot, have to get up different. at six o'clock in
4: the morning to do this. No, no. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you well, so great. much but for hosting me. Yeah, brilliant, lovely. Well, I,
1: thank you so much for having the courage to tell your story, and for helping bring other people out of out of the darkness. People that are you know starting to ask questions. The young. Young star seeds mm. need to, need to have mm. um, people like you and and Lavendar to to be the way showers and to kind of blaze that right. trail. Oh. So thank mm. you so much. And um, I went, when I first saw the title of your book, Transcending the New Age. Um, I thought, wow, because there's so many things that have New Age label on it that is gets baloney. You know, it's a new, I mean, there's, it's a there's new religion.
4: Th- it's a new religion. That's all it is. It's become, you know, a whole series of religions and belief systems that have taken people away from their true purpose.
1: Yeah. Well, there, yeah. There's a lot so of, um, yeah. you know, tricksters and pretenders yeah. who, yeah. you know, if they, I guess, if they think there's a buck to be made or some power to be yeah. stolen, um, you know, they jump on the bandwagon and transcending that mess. You know, I mean, I don't even that's use it. the word New Age because of the connotations uh, attached to it. Yeah, no,
4: that, that, you that, know. You, you've you got it. That's where I'm at with it. It's it, really wanting to get into the, the clear energy of the of the, stars, the star beings and our galactic beings and our beautiful yeah. Paiadians and others. You know, that's where we want to be. Um, leave the mess. <laughs> Transcend <Don't laughs> the
1: mess. <laughs> right, right. Well, thank you so much for the work you're doing that you continue to do and the ideas that you're coming up with. I I really really hope that that flows nicely for you because it is so needed.
4: Yes. So, okay.
1: um, yeah. You just keep shining your light and uh, hopefully you'll get back to Arkansas and uh oh, yeah. I'm going, I'm intending,
4: honestly. <laughs> yeah, you too, okay. Ariel. Well, to you just see keep you, seeing and hear yourself you there. Again. Love to hear you playing again too. Okay, Uh, that'd be great.
1: So one more good goodbye, Patty. And I just want to say your website one more time, Patty French, and Patty is P A T T Y French Author dot com. And you can contact and um, take advantage of all the content. Yes. Yep. And it's growing
4: all the time. Yeah, it's growing all the time. Thank you so much, Ariel. You're so
1: welcome, um, and thanks for joining us. Bye-bye, Patty. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So we want to thank everyone for, um, for listening, and we will be back next week. And until then, make sure that you find gratitude and compassion in every day. Good night, everyone.